Welcome back to Letting It All Hang Out. You know who it is. It's Haley Kalani. I created this podcast to bring together a community of skilled, badass individuals that make me go, what? That's crazy. Today's fabulous guest is Ashley Oswald. Ashley founded Oswald Digestive Clinic in 2016 after being frustrated to see people struggle with their gut health while knowing that there are ways to help them improve and often resolve their bothersome symptoms. She has completed seven years of schooling in nutrition science, including a year at Harvard Brigham's and Women's Hospital, and has worked in a variety of settings in the healthcare system, so has a unique big picture view of where there are gaps. And with Oswald Digestive Clinic, she's working to fill those gaps, helping their clients finally go from gut struggles to gut freedom, baby, so that they can get back to living their life on their own terms. So without further ado, here we go. Hello. Hi, Haley. Before we like get into the nitty gritty, you mentioned, you know, in your bio that you've dealt with like when you were younger, acne and IBS and like brain fog and some depression and a lot of stuff that has trickled into, I'm sure, fascination with the human body and like how it works and all that. So tell me more about how you became a dietitian and what led you to this and what inspired that path. Yeah, interestingly, I don't have a really impressive story. It was just based upon intuition. I was decided I wanted to move to the city. I grew up in a small town and I was looking through the majors and uh, I dwindled it down to two, which is business and nutrition. And I just thought nutrition would be really interesting. For some reason, something was calling me to learn more in that arena. And so I started and really just didn't look back. It's fascinated me. Eventually, I got into functional nutrition and like seven and a half years of formal schooling later, it's so powerful in helping people to be able to improve their quality of life. And I'm just really glad that I ended up choosing that path. And and when I was in sixth grade, that's when the severe acne started. And my parents were begging me to go to the dermatologist. I was kind of like pushing back, but ended up going. And that started a 10-year journey about on off of different antibiotics and medications. And one dermatologist fired me because he didn't know what else to do. And just looking back, knowing what I know now with functional medicine, functional nutrition, I wish I had the knowledge I have now to be able to think more about what the possible root causes are. And it's part of what makes me even more passionate to be able to help people who are struggling. Yeah, you hit the sort of that nail on the head of what my question was going to be is it seems like connecting the dots to your childhood is really what drives that passion now and and the purpose that you have to help other people figure out those abnormalities, for lack of a better word, that's going on with their body to make sense of it and really map out some sort of path that's a lot of times more holistic than anything to help either cure or fix or aid in fixing those problems. Yeah, absolutely. And when I was thinking about what kind of niche of medicine we wanted to focus on as functional nutrition dietitians, I thought right away, you know, the gut, even though it can be the more challenging arena of medicine, I felt it was so important that we have some really high quality dietitians that are helping people because if we can improve gut health, so many other things improve, autoimmune issues improve, and just quality of life in general from all different sorts of perspectives. You you mentioned one thing that definitely piqued my interest, which was the gut health and its correlation with improving autoimmune issues and stuff. And so for me, that hits home because I 
at about eight years old was diagnosed with an autoimmune disorder called aplastic anemia. And I still know almost nothing about gut health. And I definitely don't remember having sort of conversations with doctors or nurses or people in the community. Like my mom was in forums and groups with other parents who were dealing with kids who had aplastic anemia and their stories and stuff. I don't remember anything about gut health. And I think that part of the reason was, you know, it, it wasn't as, again, for lack of a better word, like popularized. A lot of times now we sort of understand the importance of the gut and what it does for our body. So maybe that was a thing. But regardless, tell me a little bit more about how that gut correlates to you know, autoimmune disorders and just the general health of the body and why that is. Yeah, and Haley, your experience is not uncommon. It's similar to mine in the fact that acne is often an autoimmune symptom that comes up, and nobody talked to me about gut health either. One reason is because medicine has gotten so kind of compartmentalized where we have all these specialties, but when you think about just the human body as a whole, you know, we have to figure out a way to to combine, connect all those specialties in an easier way than kind of the medical system is set up right now. And so uh, kind of a quick story, I actually in high school was having really bad nosebleeds. Like one time it bled for an hour straight. Oh my God. Can you believe that? And so when I look back, as I was going through my training and nutrition, I connected the dots and realized like, oh my God, I think all these antibiotics are affecting the bacteria in my gut, which is affecting my vitamin K production, which is causing my um, blood to not coagulate properly. And so now I'm having these like really bad nosebleeds and maybe, you know, genetically as my mom would have nosebleeds often too, but not as bad. So maybe that was kind of like the predisposing factor to it. But when we think about all these connections, it's pretty amazing. And the one thing that helped my acne the most when I started healing from it was cutting out dairy and and milk products. So something about the food going through my gut, 70% of the immune system is in the gut. So when we talk about autoimmune, it's kind of need to think it's not connected. And then how is that kind of thing going back around and triggering those symptoms? Wow. And for you, you had at least a a bit of a revelation, so to speak, with the correlation with dairy and stuff. How specific is it for person to person when they're going through, you know, let's, for example, something that has to do with autoimmune, how specific it is, is it for somebody to really figure out for their own body and their own gut, what is going to work and what might do more damage than good? Yeah, that's a great question. And that's where kind of the art of nutrition comes in. I always say it's half art, half science. And especially in this world of functional nutrition, where we really focus on the N equals one studies. So everybody's an individual. And if you go into somebody and they say, this is the protocol for like a wide range of things, I would go the other way because it's just not the truth. And so as practitioners, we always have to be looking at the research, weighing potential benefits, potential risks, leaning on our experience, and then being able to make, you know, the most likely suggestions based upon what the goals are with the individual. Mm -hmm. And makes total sense. As you said, you know, each person is so individual and what is happening within our body that's mixing with genetics and hormones and all of this stuff and the environment plays such a huge role in what's right for them. And the opposite, so switching a little bit of gears is what is in general 
better for our gut that we can start to either incorporate or add in? What can somebody do on a week to week or day to day basis to help that gut health? Yeah, absolutely. I think there are some foundational things and we have a course that we're launching, the Heal Your Gut course, where we talk more in depth about some of these foundational things and then we can go up the ladder and then it gets more and more kind of personalized from there. But there's kind of two categories that I think of, lifestyle and nutrition. And so with lifestyle, we want to think sleep and stress and um, exercise because exercise actually can increase the amount of butyrate producing bacteria in our gut, which is really anti-inflammatory to the body. So it's like most people don't know that exercise can affect the gut in that way. And then for food wise, we want to be thinking about eating real whole foods. A lot of people actually come to our clinic and they tell us, you know, I've been eating whole real foods, kind of like what my grandparents ate, mostly farmer's market. I cook all my own food. I'm still having issues. And that's really not uncommon, but it's a really good foundation to start with because there are individuals that if they just transition off the more processed, ultra processed foods onto a lot more color, quality, wholesome foods, they do notice significant improvement in their gut health. Yeah, thank you for sharing those tips because uh, it seems so simple, but I think a lot of times it just has to be heard over and over to really have it stick and, and the importance of exercise and eating whole foods, as you mentioned. Yes, we hear it all the time, but there's a reason why we hear it all the time. <laughs> and it's like, when you know, when is it going to be a part of your daily life where we make sure that we're exercising and it does so much more than beyond losing weight or beyond like feeling skinny or fit or ripped or whatever it may be. It's like, well, you're protecting your internal gut, like your organs, your body, the and your energy, the way that you feel throughout the day. And that's so much more fulfilling than just going to the beach and thinking you look hot or something. <laughs> <laughs> It's so true. And even with the eating part and everyone's like, oh, I'm eating well to lose weight. Like you said, I'm so passionate about intuitive eating because if we instead flip our mindset to, you know, I'm eating to feel good. And if somebody, you know, if we can help guide someone to helping them realize what foods make them feel good, if they can more so tune into how they feel good, often some of those other things come along for the ride, but they have just a much healthier approach to it. Yeah, such a simple shift in mindset. And honestly, that's such a perfect segue to what I wanted to ask you. Uh, You mentioned something earlier about you. You're in school for seven plus years. And that takes, I mean, that takes a lot of work. Like that's a lot of work. That's a lot of knowledge. That is a lot of effort. And you clearly still have a passion for the stuff that you went to school for. So that really brings us into that, that like aptitude of grit. Like, what did it take for you to be able to go through all of that stuff and still have as much energy and love for it at the end of the day? Yes, I, that's such a great question. I remember thinking in college, like, if I can just get through this, I can do anything, you know, I'll just get through college, I'll have this freedom, I can create, I can choose what jobs I want, I can, you know, et cetera, et cetera. So I think it's that understanding that the path isn't always going to be easy, But if we can just, if we have like a passion for something, and then if we're willing to put in that hard work, it's not going to be extremely hard the whole time. It's going to be kind of like an up and down journey. And so to me, that's kind of where that grit comes in. And I started our business almost five years ago now. 
And oh my gosh, we, I was just mentioning you for the interview, how I had no idea how hard it was to start a business. <laughs> now I'm like, I hope I never forget because I want to make sure to be able to properly mentor people as I'm further along the journey. <laughs> and so, you know, this year, especially 2020, it's just really made me realize how important it is to have people in our lives and these support groups to kind of lean on and, and help us through this journey so that we can continue to help people improve their gut health and grow our clinic, you know? Yeah, absolutely. And so you started your own business five years ago. What made you want to take that leap and say, you know what, I'm going to take it into my own hands and start my own thing and spiral into the world of entrepreneurship? Yeah, you know, it was uh, multifactorial, but I guess the biggest part was I worked in the healthcare system for many years. I was working in the hospital, floating to all the different floors, working on the intensive care units. I was actually placing feeding tubes in people. And then I was working outpatient where I would see people after they discharged from hospital or if they were having like really bad gut issues. I was helping with vein feeding them outpatient. And then I was working for some doctors out in California too at their functional medicine practice and ended up going through a breakup, um, decided to move back to Minneapolis. And that's when I decided it'd be a good opportunity since I was in a job transition to start a business. And it was because I felt like I had a really good understanding of how the healthcare system works. And I felt like I could create something that's going to help people in a more effective way, honestly, create programs where people can have more time with the dietitian, where we can um, use our app where people can communicate with us between appointments, HIPAA compliant, and all these kind of innovative things that were, I was coming up to roadblocks when I was working in the medical system. And so that was a part of it. And then the other part of it was just, I think I've always kind of had an entrepreneurial fire. And so I want, I love being a leader. I love kind of growing things and creating them new offerings. And so it was just that passion that led me to create our own clinic. That's awesome. And you mentioned too, like creating a space that is more valuable and essential for the people coming there, like you spending more time with the dietitian and the way that the health industry, a lot of different variables here, but the way it's set up, you know, we don't get that extra level of attention or that extra level of care. And so you putting uh, in that effort and placing certain programs or ways of dealing with different patients, a way of doing it that is more constructive to their personal situation, it seems like. Yeah, absolutely. And like better outcomes. I started tracking our symptom questionnaires with clients so that we could actually show the outcomes we're giving, which a symptom questionnaire, you fill it out and you put a number one to five or zero to five based upon how many times you've had that symptom in the past month or week, depending upon when you're filling it out. And then we can track the changes over time. And it's so amazing to see the the, the outcomes we're getting just by having this you know, connection in a different way with them. They can use the app to communicate things like that, as I mentioned. And it started, we started as a cash pay practice. And now this year in 2020, it really had me thinking, you know, I think most businesses had to innovate this year and we're starting the process of accepting insurance. And so I kind of can't wait to grow in that way to be able to reach more people and then see, you know, can we still get the same outcomes with being an insurance-based practice and make the financials work out and just help more people? 
Super amazing. And so you're transitioning from that grassroots to bigger and better and helping more people, which is awesome. I'm sure it's taken a lot of hard work to get there. And that sort of brings us back to that question of like building a business is hard shit. (laughs) You know, like it is not easy. And what was something that really hit you in the hit you in the whole forehead when you first started your own business and really understanding what that learning curve was gonna look like and how much effort it was gonna take to push through that curve? Yeah, this is gonna sound so naive, but I didn't think I would have to market for my business. <laughs> I'm like, I know I'm a great dietitian. These, you know, I was working for these really amazing doctors in college. They told me I was the best dietitian they ever had. And that's, I'm only sharing that part because I thought, you know, I'm going to open my private practice and people are going to come flowing in, you know what I mean? And it did not work like that. <laughs> <laughs> so it's the grit. It's just that journey of like learning. And I went to school seven years for nutrition science, but zero years for business and marketing didn't have like any experience in it. And so it was just that newsflash of like, wow, I have to learn. And thank goodness for the internet and for other people helping. So I went through, but there's still things that looking back, I'm like, oh, if I would have only known that we would have done it differently. But I think there's always kind of a reason for the journey being as it is. And leaning into that grit and getting through and having the experiences like for example with marketing a recent example is I was putting a lot of energy into Instagram and it honestly didn't align with with who I am with what I the platform I really felt kind of energetically connected to but I just thought oh maybe I don't know enough about it so I bought like a big course on it, did the whole course in January. And then less than five months later, I decided we are going to quit Instagram. (laughs) (laughs) And it's okay, you know, because at least like I went through that learning curve, I learned and I still have the grit to kind of get back up and put our energy kind of where it it aligns better. Yeah, you mentioned something earlier about, um, oh my gosh, it's leaving my brain. It'll come back to me. Regardless, that grit that you're talking about and what it takes to understand that like, no, I'm not going to know everything. And it's okay that I don't know everything. And I think it's one, it's a really fun adventure and a little bit scary. But I think people who don't know as much about the thing that they're going into have a greater advantage because there's not a ceiling that's sort of stopping them. They're like, oh, I can only get to this point. No. You think you can get anywhere, however fast you want to. And I think that's a powerful thing. And it's a really big motivator to push through those. Taking that step to become a learner and being okay with like not knowing everything. How was it with specifically marketing, specifically business and entrepreneurship? Where did you find the most struggle? And then where are you now in terms of what comes a little bit more natural because you've put in that work, you've put in that practice and that effort? Yeah, that's a good question. Uh, What I'd say the most struggle was with the marketing piece, because I was very comfortable with how to, well, marketing some of the business things, how to file different things, but that's more of like a one and done. And so it's how do I, once I realized, you know, I want to scale this, how do I get reach more people? I know there's a, there's a survey in 2018 of 71,000 people in the U.S. showing that 61% of people had a bothersome gut issue the week prior. So for me, it was like, okay, how do I reach these people and find the ones that are looking for us? But when they see us and see our content, they're like, oh, thank goodness. Like, 
I'm, I found these individuals to help me. And so it really was, and it, I am not, I don't love social media. So it was kind of this um, up and down struggle of how do I, how does this relationship with social media work so that we can lean into that to reach more people. And what I finally come to from that whole journey is that YouTube is a platform I really love. I love creating videos and educating in that way. And I created a video just last week where a woman commented how she was having severe, I believe she was having pain and bloating after her probiotics. And she watched our video. She went to go check the ingredients of the probiotic. And she's like, wow, I didn't realize the inulin in the ingredients was probably why I was having that reaction to it. It's to me, that's so powerful. Um, when I started YouTube, it was really, it wasn't working well. <laughs> so, you know, it's like these mini failures. So it's like, I'm so excited and then I fail. And then I'm like, all right, you know, obviously there's a way to make this work. So I bought a course, I learned more, I came back. <laughs> and, um, and now we're just, we're just going, you know? Yeah. And it's so rewarding, as you said, when you have those comments or people just coming to you from the free stuff that you put out. And that's so simple, but a lot of people just don't know. Like it's simple to you because you went for, to school for seven years, but for a lot of people, it's this unknown territory. And so to have them say, wow, like this simple thing helped me so much. Like, thank you. I'm sure it definitely makes your heart smile. And you mentioned that social media isn't really your favorite or wasn't at least how and but you make content now like I was looking through you do videos and now you're on YouTube and now one YouTube is one of your favorite platforms and so what was that journey like and what sort of flipped that switch and made you more confident to go out and make content for social media yeah which was I it was a mindset switch it was instead of thinking what's gonna work best i started thinking once i realized like this journey of entrepreneurship is a journey and it takes i wrote down a stat here from the u.s bureau of labor stats that said new businesses fail 20 percent in the first two years 45 percent first five years 65 percent during the first 10 years and only one quarter make it to 15 years so it's like this is a journey, you know, there's failures, there's successes. And so I'm like, I'm on this journey and I want to have fun. I want to do what I enjoy doing. And if that means that it's going to be a little harder to like use a certain platform to reach, you know, the outcomes, that's okay. Cause I want to be happy and enjoying the journey as much as I can. And that's really that flip that made me say, so I need to let go of Instagram and I need to lean more into YouTube. Even though we, at that time, we hadn't even gotten a client from YouTube. I'm like, I just, I need to do it, you know, because that's what's life about really. And it's also flipping the mindset, which I'm still working on too, of like when things fail, thinking, you know, maybe there's a reason for it. And maybe this isn't bad, you know, what's really bad, what's really good. Kind of just that mindset perspective to it all. 100%. And that's a lot of the essence, right, of entrepreneurship is yes, you're going to fail and fail and fail and fail and fail. And that's okay. To me, it's data. It's like what you get back in return is a learning lesson and you can learn from those same mistakes. It's so interesting because, so I'm reading a 
Angela Duckworth's grit, power of perseverance and passions, or excuse me, purpose and passion. And uh, when you were talking about social media and pinpointing those weaknesses, you're like, I want this to be fun. I want to enjoy the journey. I don't want it to be something that is dragging me along and feeling like I have to do it. It's that mix of that passion because you have this end goal. You want to help as many people as possible and you're honing your skills along the way. How do you sort of navigate or you personally navigate those waters of finding, you know, your weaknesses and working on them, but also enjoying that process at the same time? It's a good question too. I think it's a combination of I've started to track some analytics to see how things are going so I can um, look at it from that perspective. And then also from the perspective of pun intended, but kind of trusting my gut and like tuning into that like gut intuition. And then a third piece now, uh, we I have uh, Marcy Vask hired as a licensed nutritionist. She's been taking all most of our new clients for the past year and she's amazing, but also it's so nice to be able to ask her on our weekly calls things and lean into kind of her perspectives because we both have such different experiences. And I, you mentioned that it was a pun, but sort of like trusting your gut and how that is really your intuition. I find that super interesting because I've heard a lot about how your gut is essentially like your second brain and the connection between the two is really, really important. How your brain and your gut are connected and that is basically what your intuition is. I would love to know more about what your perspective is on that and diving into that realm. Yeah, some people actually say the gut's the first brain. Isn't that interesting? Because uh, we have pounds of bacteria in our large intestine. And the genetic expression of our bacteria is far greater than that of our human genetics. Wow. So, so really, like, yeah. I know, it kind of like begs the question, like we're, are we just this like blob of bacteria more than we are? You know what I mean? There's people who have gut issues, I think they will realize this, that if they have this dysbiosis, it can so greatly affect their mood, almost like without feeling that they're in control of it. Mm. So and then dysbiosis and like the feeling of your gut sort of not being right, affecting your mood, would that in turn most likely affect the way that you perceive situations and your intuition and how you interact in the world, basically with either people or in work or investing yourself in uh, whatever projects that's sort of going on? I really think so. And I think there's, we're going to see so much more coming out in the upcoming years about how gut health and mental health and con are connected. And we're going to learn so much more about what we can do with gut health and the bacteria to help improve mental health. Like we know a lot, but reality is it's just, there's so much that, that we don't know about the bacteria and kind of the changes. And part of the reason is because when we if we change the foods that we eat, the bacteria in our gut changes. And so to study like the types of bacteria in people's guts when it's in constantly changing and there's just trillions in there, it's really this, just this whole new world. Mm. Yeah, this is so fascinating and it's something I'm super interested in and, you know, segueing a little bit, I was a personal trainer a couple of years ago and it was super fun and that's when I really started to dive into nutrition and health and wellness and all that stuff and nutrition playing a huge role in that in mental health and wellness. Recently, I was listening to a podcast, um, Tom Bilyeu, you know, Health Theory. They were talking about 
the various foods and the correlation with you know anxiety or depression or whatever it may be. I'd love to hear your perspective on what foods and if you know what foods could possibly have that effect on our gut that would spike stress and anxiety or reduce stress and anxiety. It's a great question. There's some, of course, there's a lot of different variants to it. One thing I think of, well, two things. One, it's what we eat, but then it's also what we absorb and how our gut's functioning. So for example, if someone's having a lot of stress, maybe they're not making enough stomach acid, they're not going to be breaking down different minerals and vitamin B12 from food properly. Low vitamin B12 can be the root cause of depression and low energy and such. And then low magnesium, which it's estimated that about 70% of people have, that can be a root cause of anxiety. And I've had a lot of success of people replacing their magnesium stores and they notice anxiety improves, which is such a simple intervention. There's all sorts of things like that. Um, I have a little story of a client who was vegetarian for years. I was vegetarian for about seven years too, and that's a whole different story. So we were kind of similar and she was having really, really bad mental health struggles. So I was talking to her and she was having copper toxicity too, which could have been at least partially from that vegetarian lifestyle. And I completely understand why she was doing it for the ethics and animal reasons. But I talked to her about adding, introducing in more ethical meat sources. And it took many months and just kind of me presenting it and saying, you know, I think this could really help combined with other things we were doing to support her. The copper toxicity got resolved. So those symptoms, like she was falling asleep in the middle of the day randomly, things of that sort. So copper and zinc, they're in balance with each other. So we have to get zinc up and some other things like birth control is depleting and contributing to the copper toxicity issues. We're working at the functional medicine psychiatrist too, and all these things that eventually she did um, decide that she would start to incorporate meat. And just a few weeks ago, she told me that meat to her is like a short-term anti, um, antidepressant. She notices so strongly that when she has some meat, within hours, her mood improves. Wow, that is so interesting. And, and it's, it's not hard to believe either. I 100% am on board with that. And it's so, and one thing that you mentioned too, that is vital, I think, in this piece is the source of the meat, like where it's sourced from, it's, you know, whether it's beef, it's grass fed, it's organic, what is the importance of making sure that the vegetables and the meats and the fruits that we put into our bodies are well sourced? I think it's hugely important, um, but I also recognize that we don't have a ton, ton of research for me to support that. But if you think of it, there's first of all, there's all these sprays and pesticides and things that we're spraying on food. Now, do we really have great research on those? No. You know, how is that possibly influencing and impacting human health? Like reality is just, we don't know. So would you rather be safe or sorry? And then we do know that quality of soil can increase the nutrient density of foods. So if anybody has noticed, you go to the farmer's market, you buy a tomato, it's so much more delicious than buying like a tomato from the supermarket, especially like in the middle of winter. So it's like a pretty clear difference of what that nutrition quality might be. And then meat too, I think from two factors, from the environmental factor, there is a way to farm that's better for the environment and even can help to improve environmental issues by sequestering carbon from the atmosphere. Um, and there's a polyphase farm as an example of this. They're out on the East Coast and 
Virginia, I believe. And so also with that meat conversation is if somebody is eating meat, that's being like an animal that was injected with um, antibiotics or growth hormone or whatnot, you know, what influence is that having on the body? And could that be contributing to some of the antibiotic resistance that people have when they do actually need an antibiotic for more serious reasons. So just kind of all these questions with it. And I really take the approach of, you know, it's better safe than sorry, especially with what we know so far to just really kind of focus on quality of food. And especially if it's in that unprocessed quality, real whole food format, we know that provides better health outcomes. Yeah. Wow. With all of these correlations and their high correlations with the quality of food that we eat to all these health implications, it just seems like as far as what I see, you know, either on media or social media or even people that I meet and in this particular area of Southwest Florida that I live in, people are, for lack of a better word, oblivious, or maybe they just don't care, or maybe it's, they're just, you know, they haven't been exposed to enough things to educate them on this and the importance of this why does it seem to fall by the wayside or like go over people's heads the importance of this and actually starting to incorporate these better sourced foods yeah i think it's in a large part the environment and when living in the united states it takes more effort to be and eat healthier and you know, take this approach to health. And I think if people are their friends, you know, the people who are around them, if they're not committed, you know, it's kind of like you're swimming upstream. And so I think what we need to do is come together as like a culture and start to rethink some of these things and start to open our eyes to what the possible root causes of all this chronic disease really is and all of our rising healthcare costs and being a little bit more serious of the change that we want. And I'm a huge believer in voting with our dollars. And if people keep waking up and they look at, you know, their own health issues, kind of like I did and a lot of our clients and say, you know, what are the possible root causes? How can I adjust my food and kind of vote with my dollars, you know, buy the food that I would like to see more of, of these companies creating and whatnot, then that I think is going to, from the grassroots up, create the change that we need. Because I think most people realize doing that top-down approach and forcing companies to like, make better products, whatnot, it's, they just have so much money, so much lobbying money that I, it's not, I don't think it's going to happen that way. I think it's going to happen from consumer demand and consumers being willing to buy those products and they're going to shift and they're going to start making more of those products. Yeah, I 100% agree. And I think a big part of it too is when people, so I'll back up when I was in the grocery store the other day, uh, I was in the produce section picking out all my stuff and we typically try and get as much organic as possible. And one of the ladies next to me, she like her husband was like, what is organic? Why does it even matter? And the lady was like, it doesn't. And I was like, it does, it does. And obviously I didn't, you know, go try and start a conversation with her. It's not my prerogative to try and convince somebody. But it just goes to show too, like the lack of education around it. And I think that, as you said, it sort of starts from the consumer wanting to advocate and push for these better options and educate other people on it. I think it starts within the home too. And where can people find these best resources for finding out this information? 
You're absolutely right, Haley. And with the internet, it's like a blessing, but a curse where there's just so much information out there too, that people do get really confused. And that's why I'm such a promoter of our profession. I'm like, our profession needs to really step up and start helping people in a much bigger way too, to kind of educate and realize this really, you know, what's a more complicated topic of nutrition, because it's not so black and white. There's all this gray area. And so, um, yeah, I completely agree with, with what you just said. What was your question again? <laughs> <laughs> Honestly, I don't even remember, but I'm, I'm sure you answered it. Uh, it was <laughs> something along the lines of like, where can people get this information? And yeah, you, you mentioned the internet and how, yes, it's definitely a blessing and a curse because there's so much information. And it's like, what do we listen to? Who do we listen to? What is right for us? And then it comes back to the point of, individuality, like really figuring out, okay, maybe I should just test some things, you know, with approval of a doctor for anybody who's listening, who's like, I'm gonna go try this. But yeah, I think like taking it in our own hands and saying, okay, well, if a wide majority of, you know, people in the health industry are saying that I should be eating more whole foods and trying to stick with well-sourced fruits and vegetables and meats, start there and incorporating that. And it is a good segue into habit forming uh, and making sure that it's something that we can stick with long term. I think for me before I started getting into health, because as I grew up, eating really well and nutrition was not a big part of my life. Like my parents didn't know much about it. Therefore, I didn't know much about it had a lot of fast food, had a lot of boxed meals, had a lot of processed stuff as a kid. And growing up, you know, that definitely had an impact on my health and, you know, acne and gaining weight and all of this stuff. Going back to habit change and how somebody can start to implement those little changes into their life. For me, it was starting small. Okay, I'm going to make sure that I have one whole food with every meal, whether it's like a little bit of whole broccoli or, you know, XYZ. What is something that you would recommend for people to make those baby steps if they're on sort of the opposite end of like, you know, they, they feel like their diet could have some major improvements. But a lot of times people think, well, I'm just going to change everything all at once. And usually changing everything all at once is not really great for the mindset portion of it and could possibly be detrimental to the health portion of it too, if you're just making a drastic change. So what are some baby steps that people can take? Yeah, I uh, think of two things when it comes to that. The first one is the mindset of we don't have to be perfect, quote unquote, whatever perfect means, right? Because I see what happens in the US a lot is all these diets and people will go to the extremes, you know, doing 100% keto and maybe um, they quote unquote slip and then it's all junk food for a few days and then they do 100% you know, keto again or, or something else or they're just flipping, flipping. And so it's this more flipping that mindset to a more realistic approach is just real whole foods. And, you know, that whole 80-20 rule of if we're eating well and nourishing ourselves 80% of the time, that 20% isn't going to make a big enough difference that's going to be causing us to get like type 2 diabetes to get et cetera, et cetera. And I think the second component, and this is um, something I'm thinking of as we think about how to structure our business as we grow is um, having a support system and I plan and we plan to slowly introduce kind of group consults 
um, as hopefully next year. And that can be a place where people can have that community that they can kind of lean on and have the support to, to make these changes in a culture where we don't, you know, I was in Bali in March and that culture is so healthy. It was really easy to just eat well in Bali and to like get activity. And I understand the reality of people having desk jobs and us kind of living in a culture that it's not as easy because people are used to driving through fast food, grabbing that, et cetera. Not everybody, of course, but it, I think you understand what I'm saying. Um, so I think those two things of knowing you don't have to be perfect, like you said, you can just start slow and build upon that and then reaching out and having a support group. Oh, that's amazing. And I could talk about this and nutrition and a lot of stuff with you for hours and hours, but wrapping everything up, what is one thing, and I know it's a lot to ask because probably multiple things, but one thing that you would like people to know, whether it's about nutrition or gut health or in general about life. I would say it just don't give up hope. Um, don't stop searching for answers for nutrition. Keep thinking, you know, what's the possible root cause? And if you haven't found it yet, if you've tried things, it didn't work, you're exhausted, rest, but don't give up. And I think that goes same with life, like rest, but don't give up, you know, keep that grit, lean on your support network. Um, but just, just keep going and try to try to have fun on the journey as much as possible, knowing that it's going to be ups and downs. Mm, don't lose hope. Don't give up. I absolutely love that. And where can people find you? We are on YouTube. So that's a great place. And then uh, we also have our website, oswalddigestiveclinic.com, where there's more about our Heal Your Gut course and then some links like our Facebook group and some other of those, those free offerings. And we offer free meet and greet calls to if anybody might want to want to work with us and get some personalized functional nutrition help amazing amazing thank you so much ashley i truly appreciate it and i'm so glad that we met each other and i'm sure this won't be our last conversation same thank you Haley. thanks for all you're doing in this world Thank you so much for listening to this episode of Letting It All Hang Out. I sincerely hope that you enjoyed it and learned a thing or two. And as always, I know I did. I'd love to hear your thoughts and start a conversation with you. So feel free to send me a voice message right here on Anchor. Or you can send me a message on any of my social media platforms at Haley Kalani. That's H-A-Y-L-E-E-K-A-L-A-N-I. Much love to you all. Until next time, stay well.